Yes, today, the day after the anniversary, we, we remember those that lost their lives, their family that probably are still suffering from those losses. Of course, the great heroes who rushed toward danger, uh, the first responders, we think of them today. And it's just a good reminder, even as we're in our prayer and fasting, that the only hope for America, the only hope for the world is Jesus. And so uh, as you're praying this week, maybe add that to your prayer list, that the Lord would extend his mercy and allow a little more time for people to come back to know him as Lord and Savior. So uh, we remember 9-11 today. And we just want to say thank you for being here today. My name is Benny Ferguson. I get to serve here as one of the pastors, and we're so glad that you joined with us. If it is your first time, uh, there's a prayer, uh, there is a prayer card in front of you. You can fill that out, but there's also a connection card in front of you. You could fill that out as a, a, a visitor with us today, as a guest. Uh, fill that out. You can leave it there on your seat. You can put it in one of the giving kiosks, which is on the back of the walls there. And then, uh, better yet, if you'd like, you can bring that connection card to me. I'll be in the Welcome Center at the end of our time to your left and my right. I'd love to meet you and give you a coordinating mug with the Harshbergers mug. So I'd love to meet with you. And uh, after first service, several asked me uh, about my suit. I was wanting to, you know, really patriotic it up with the red, white, and blue. And uh, they said, um, are, you, are you announcing your run for president today? <laughs> so a couple of them did. So uh, I am not doing that, okay? Um, I'm not old enough. I think you have to be 35 to be the president. And I'm, <laughs> if you believe that... <laughs> Anyways, well, we are in the book of Matthew. We've been studying much of the gospel according to Matthew for a lot of this year, almost taking it verse by verse. We believe in the authority and inerrancy of God's word, so we look to his word for, uh, for our faith and our counsel, and we actually took probably four or five months just in uh, chapter five. I think back in April we started it. And we have finally made it today to uh, Matthew chapter 6. And believe it or not, we are going to get through half of that chapter today. We are not going to take four or five months in chapter 6. But uh, chapter 6, Jesus is still in the middle of his most famous sermon, the most famous sermon in all of human history, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has been calling us to a higher standard. He'd often say something like this. You've heard it said, or you've heard the law say this, but I say this, and then he'll raise the standard. Just like he said, uh, if you lust, you've already committed adultery. If you have anger in your heart, you've already murdered. He just keeps upping the ante and raising the bar for us because he's after our heart. You know, the religious leaders before, they were just all about following the, the letter of the law and rules and regulation, but their heart was far from God. And so Jesus is basically saying, hey, God wants your heart. He's not too worried about the to-dos and the don't to-dos because he knows if he has your heart, your behavioral will just take care of itself. Now, his disciples, his followers, had heard a lot of the religious elite and their teachings and the Pharisees' teachings uh, for quite some time, and they cared more about following rules and checklists instead of having a heart after God. 
Now, some of these men were very pretentious people that loved the attention of being part of the religious elite. They cared more about man's applause, man's attention, than God's approval. And this kind of religion was despicable to Jesus, and so he called it out. They were showboating, if you will. Anybody ever heard that word showboat? Okay. Anybody sitting next to someone who likes to showboat a little bit? Right. Showboat, kind of showing off, kind of drawing attention to themselves. At, at some point, maybe you've acted like a showboat. I probably have been guilty of that too over the years. Uh, I can remember 12, 13-year-old Benny. I, I probably thought more highly of myself than I should. I actually knew more than my 40-year-old parents at that age. It was quite remarkable. Uh, at 12 or 13, I was on the praise team. I had a keyboard that I bought myself because I mowed so many lawns that summer. I was so proud to be on the stage showboating on my, with my new keyboard. Uh, I'd showboat by, by dunking the ball on nine and 10-year-olds on the seven and a half foot rim, just showboat around. You know, in youth group, I like to showboat so everybody would know that I'm in with the youth pastor. I knew when to say amen. I knew when to say, uh, uh, yes, sir, that's good preaching. And sometimes, honestly, my heart wasn't in it, but I just wanted people to know that, hey, I'm a good Christian boy. Showboat Christianity. That's why we've named the sermon today Showboat Christianity. Doing good on the external to get attention. And I know some of you have not been guilty of that, and we will look to you uh, to learn from you and mentor us. Uh, but uh, some of us have been guilty of showboat Christianity. Hopefully, however, we have matured as we've gotten along in our spiritual journey with the Lord. So we serve now just because we love to serve, not because we're looking for an Instagram photo opportunity to take a selfie to prove to everybody what good servants we are. Hashtag humble brag, right? That's what that's all about. It's easier to do the right thing when we know we might get man's attention. We might get some accolades or some awards from people if they watch us serve or give or do the right thing. Well, Jesus is going to come along and he's going to challenge our motives in our spiritual journey with the Lord. He's specifically going to challenge us today in Matthew chapter 6 in the areas of giving, praying, and fasting. Giving, praying, and fasting. Now, these are wonderful spiritual disciplines that, that we should join in. And these acts could very well glorify God. But back in Jesus' days, some of the Pharisees did these things to honor not God, but to honor themselves. Giving, praying, fasting should not be self-centered, but God-centered. We do this not to draw attention to us, not to make us look better, but to make God look better. And so Jesus is gonna come along and challenge our motives in these three areas, the first of which is giving. So hopefully you have made it to Matthew chapter six. We're gonna begin with verse number one, Jesus speaking on the Sermon on the Mount. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, 
do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So Jesus, he called them hypocrites, and he said they've already received. They ha- that's past tense. They have received their reward. That's all they're getting. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Future tense. Haven't gotten your reward yet, but you will receive a reward from your heavenly father when done with the right motives. Now, giving to the poor and needy, this was not a new concept for Jesus' listeners. In fact, the Mosaic Law, Deuteronomy chapter 15, specifically told the Israelites that they should be on the lookout for how they can help those in need. That there will always be around you and among you people who are poor and needy. Jesus indeed endorsed this idea of generosity. But when you do it, he said, don't do it like the showboating hypocrites. Hypocrites. Now that Greek word, hypocrite, literally means actor. One who wore a mask and pretended to be someone he or she wasn't. An actor like in a play. Jesus is coming in strong here. He is calling these Pharisees, these religious elite, he's calling them out. You are a bunch of actors You are fakers, you are hypocrites that are doing it just for the show with no real compassion in your heart at all. These people, Jesus would say, they are fakes, they are frauds, they are actors who are showboating for an audience of man. Their actions, their giving may have looked noble from the outside, but on the inside, they were hollow hypocrites. Hollow hypocrites. And that's kind of a scary place to be. If we're not careful, we can kind of drift into that hypocrite place. I can tell you that I know how to do church. Some of you that grew up in church, it's the same with you. You know when to raise your hands, especially at the key changes, right? You know when to clap. You know when to say amen. You know when to sit up and sit down. God bless you, brother. You know how to do this. It's just kind of an act for us if we're not careful. As Pastor Sean said a couple of weeks ago, we all know how to mow the weeds before we get to church. So we look healthy from a distance. That's why every day we need to go to the Lord and and check our motives. Lord, I want to make sure that my giving, my serving is done with a heart after you. I'm not seeking for man's applause, but for God's approval. May our motivation be out of love and devotion to our Father, not out of a desire to be noticed by people. If that's you, you've already received your reward. So we want to get to the place where we care more about what God thinks than what people think. When our motive for giving is people's praise, we nullify 
God's reward in the future that he wanted to give to us. The high five, the attaboys, the likes on social media, that is the extent of your reward. That's all you get. And that's temporary. It, it fades, it fleets. Man's applause is here today, gone tomorrow. Humans' rewards, that while they're nice, they're not near as fulfilling and nice as God's reward. God's reward has much greater value. It's a perfect reward. In fact, it's a reward that lasts forever and ever in eternity. So Jesus advised, don't make a spectacle when you give. Don't showboat and post pictures of yourself being so generous all over Instagram. And you know what I found? It's actually much more fun to give anonymously than it is publicly. It's much more fun to give when nobody knows who's, who's the giver. You know, the last few years, this pay it forward thing has kind of caught, caught some traction, right? Where you go into a restaurant and you pay for that person's bill on the other side of the room, or you're in the drive-thru getting your coffee or the fast food place, and you're, and you're paying not only for your vehicle, but the vehicle behind you. And it's really cool because they don't know who paid for it. It's really fun. That's actually more fun to give than, than posting how amazing you are all over Instagram. Giving privately is actually more fulfilling than giving publicly. And when we really get down to reality, God owns it all anyways, doesn't he? So who are we to show off and brag about how much money we have given when it really doesn't belong to us Anyways, we are just God's steward, and he has seen fit to bless us with the resources, the finances, the money that he has. We're only a steward of God's money, so we don't want to let pride and ego get in the way of our giving. Our motivation should be to the glory of God. That's why I give. I give this as an act of worship to the glory of God. Jesus said, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be a showboat giver. Then he says, don't be a showboat prayer. So he's going to come along. He's going to question and make sure that our motives are pure, not only in the area of giving, but the, in the area of praying. Don't give like the hypocrites give. Don't pray like the hypocrites, hypocrites pray. Let's move on to verse number five. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. There's that word again. He's calling them out. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received, there it is again, past tense, they have received their reward in full. That's it. That's their reward. When you pray, by the way, Jesus is assuming that you are praying, but he's also calling you higher than how the Pharisees pray. The religious leaders wanted to think, wanted everybody to think that they were so holy. You should look up to me and honor and respect me. And so they would actually use prayer as a way to get attention. They would have these long and loud public prayers, not because they're in love with the Lord, but because they were seeking attention. And of course, Jesus saw through this, this self-righteous act, and he called it out. 
this week in our SOAP reading. Uh, SOAP, if you're, if you're new to our church, is an acronym for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And we are going through certain scriptures every week as a church. You can see that online or pick one up in the Welcome Center. But this week's SOAP, we were in Luke for the entire week. And Friday's reading, as I read it Friday morning, I was like, man, that verse goes perfectly along with what we are talking about. Jesus calls it out, actually, again, in another place, Luke chapter 20. You just read this on Friday. Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers these men will be punished most severely. So these men, these Pharisees, these religious elite, they weren't really praying. They weren't offering up prayers to the Lord. They were just showboating. They were looking for man's attention. Now, just so we're clear, Jesus is not denouncing public prayer. A public prayer is definitely endorsed by the Scripture. We, we see in Scripture where it's good for us to come together in a public setting, and we pray, and we sing, and we worship together. But it's our powerful private prayer that makes for a powerful public prayer time. The essence of prayer isn't done in the public arena. The essence of prayer is in the secret place is in private. Let me show you. Jesus goes on, Matthew 6, verse 6. But when you pray, it's expected we are to pray. Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. By the way, Jesus did this a lot himself. When he was here on the earth, he often withdrew from the crowds to get alone in the secret place with his heavenly father. And I'd say if Jesus needed to do that, he was divine, fully God, fully man. If Jesus needed to get alone with the father, how much more do you and me, you and I, need to get alone with our heavenly father? And see, it's in the private times, it's in the secret place when nobody is watching and you've kind of got your filter off, you can really connect with the Lord in the secret place, in the quiet place. See, when you're alone with God, you can be real and authentic. I mean, and you can just express whatever's on your heart. You can just pour it all out to the Lord. God, you see what I'm going through. You see my hurts, my struggles. You see what I'm feeling, what I'm going through. Personal connection with God happens best in private. If we really want to be personally connected with God, we have to spend time with him in the private, in the secret. And you know what? That's true in all relationships, isn't it? You know, when Kelly and I were first getting to know one another, I, I liked being with other people. I liked getting together, um, going to you know, get some food or, or play some rook or spades or whatever board games uh, with other people. But I could only get to know Kelly so much when there was a bunch of other people around. So while that was good and it had its place, 
for me to really get intimate and, and get to know Kelly, I needed some alone time. So I really looked forward to those times when nobody else was around, when we'd have a one-on-one date where I could really get to know her. I could really make deep connections with her on a, on a deeper level. If all of our prayer time is done in public, then we miss out on going deeper with our Heavenly Father. We miss out on that real connection with Him. And truthfully, if, all the, if we're only praying in the, in the public arena, don't we tend to filter our prayers anyways? We like to slip in some these and some vows, right? We, we, we are a little more politically correct when we're, playing, uh, when we're praying out loud. Uh, and in fact, it can kind of get lengthy, right? We get a little long in our prayers. And, and if we're not careful, we can even pray that that makes us look good. And there's a little pride and ego involved as well too. It's better to connect with God in the secret, quiet place. Then Jesus goes on, verse seven and eight. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. What's Jesus saying here? Mindless babbling and repetition is not a formula to get a hold of God. Saying the same thing over and over, mindlessly repeating the same phrases, that's not a formula for prayer. Jesus here, he's emphasizing that your heart must seek after the Lord, that your heart must want that connection with the Lord, that that fellowship and communion with God. And here's the really cool thing. When we pray to him, we are praying to a real living God. We're not praying to a man-made stone image or wooden image. This is a God who hears us even before we ask him. How cool is that? That's how well your heavenly father knows you. He knows our needs even before we vocalize them. Now, that doesn't exempt us from vocalizing, from, from praying, We are still called to pray, not just to offer up our prayers and our requests to him, but to have connection time with him so we can align our will to his will. The more time we spend with him, the better we'll be able to understand his heart and come into agreement with what he wants for us. And then Jesus goes on and he taught us how to pray. And this would have been a new kind of prayer for his followers. He taught us how to pray beginning in verse 19. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. So at first we're acknowledging the relationship between me and God. Again, this isn't some far off wooden carved image. This is a father who has a relationship with his children. Our Father. Thank you, Lord, that you are my Father. Hallowed be your name. So again, we should revere his name. We should not take his name for granted. He is to be holy and revered, not to be taken lightly. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, it's not Benny's will. 
that I'm seeking. It's your will. Notice the priority is not my will. The priority is God's will. Lord, what do you have for me? What's your will for my life? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. We don't have to ask for a bunch of stuff. Lord, I need that new Mercedes. I need to upgrade my house. No, just give us my provisions for today. Give me the food that I need for, give us our daily bread, our daily portion of food. Lord, provide for our daily needs, not our daily greeds. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This word debt can be exchanged for sin. Lord, would you forgive me for my sins? I know I've messed up. I know I've failed. Forgive me, Lord. And by the way, I'm gonna forgive others. I want your forgiveness, so I'm gonna forgive others. If you'll forgive me, Lord, I'm gonna forgive others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil, from the evil one. Lord, we understand that there is a real enemy. There is a real devil who is out to get us, who is out to tempt us, who is out to take us out and to take us down. Lord, would you deliver us from him and help us to overcome sin and Satan, the Lord's Prayer. He gave us a model, a template for prayer. Now, this prayer is good to pray. You can pray this, but Jesus isn't saying, take this prayer and just quote it over and over and over and over. If we were to do that, then we would be doing the mindless babblings and repetitions that Jesus said we shouldn't be doing. The Lord's Prayer is a model, is a pattern for prayer, guiding us, coaching us on how to get a hold of God. So prayer isn't some, some prayer that we quote. It's not some verse of scripture that we quote. Prayer is connection with God. So Jesus, he comes along and, he, and he's checking our motives on giving, on praying, and then thirdly, he's gonna talk to us about our motives for fasting. Jesus said, when you give, when you pray, and then he says, when you fast. This is what he says in verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So again, these hypocrites, they were showboating in their fasting. They were being all dramatic about their fast because they wanted to draw attention to themselves. Hey, look at me. Look at me and how I'm such a spiritual person. Look at me fasting. They're drawing all the attention to themselves. Well, Jesus expects his followers to fast, but he prohibits, he prohibits self-centered attention-seeking pageantry in our prayers. Our motives shouldn't be self-centered, but to be making a connection with the Lord. The purpose of fasting isn't to get more attention from people, but to give more attention to God. Fasting is designed to create more time to get alone with God in prayer. And as a church, we call the entire church body to uh, fasting and prayer. In fact, for the last couple of years, we've, we're doing it twice a year. 
We do it to start off the year in January, the first 21 days. And then the last couple of years, we've been taking September too, the first 21 days in September. And the original meaning here for this word fast is to abstain from food, to abstain from food. So we're praying, we're connecting with God, but we're fasting so we can disconnect from the things of the world. And as a church, we're about halfway into our fall fast. We still have about 10 days to go. So if you're new or uh, you haven't gotten on board, you can still be a part with us on these last 10 days, or you can start 21 days right now. Or maybe you've become lax. Maybe you've kind of, you started strong, but you're losing steam. I just want to encourage us here in the middle to keep going. I don't think it's a coincidence that we landed in Matthew chapter 6 in the beginning of our fast. It's really cool how, how God works all that out. But some of you, you're doing a Daniel fast. You're saying uh, no to like a meats and sweets and breads and uh, cheese and, and anything that tastes good, really, you're saying no to, right? <laughs> you're just stuck with fruits and vegetables. Some of you are doing that. You're starving yourself uh, and just doing the fruits and vegetables. Some of you, uh, you're fasting a meal. Instead of having breakfast, you're sp- spending more time with God in his word. Or maybe it's lunch or dinner or, or, or a combination of those. And you're skipping a meal. So instead of taking the time to cook or to go to the restaurant or to eat at the table, you're taking that time instead to spend with the Lord in the secret place. Now, if you skip a meal and you don't pray, that's just another diet. And that has its place. I get that. But the point of fasting is to spend more time with the Lord. Now, some of you, for medical reasons or maybe health reasons, maybe you can't skip meals very much. But you know what? You can skip other things. I've noticed some people saying, uh, I'm checking out of social media for the next three weeks. Peace out. Or uh, uh, I'm not going to do TV or Netflix or whatever it might be. So, so they're fasting. Other, and you can do that too. You might want to fast a meal and social media. You might need to turn off cable news, somebody. And some of you have CNN or Fox News on all day long, and it's not good for your soul. It's not good for your spirit. They just keep berating us with bad news after bad news. And I would just encourage you over the next week, I bet you'd find yourself in a much better place if you turn off the news. You might find yourself liberated from the negativity that is cable news. Have you ever noticed that they don't do a whole lot of reporting on what's good in the world? If it's bad news, then we need to put it on the TV. In fact, I think someone should create a new network, the PNN network, Positive News Network, right? I'll get behind you if that's your venture. But uh, I've seen some of you sign off of, of social media, turn off the TV, whatever it might be. When we fast, what we're doing is we're saying no to certain things of the world, whether it be food or TV or social media, so that we can say a greater yes to the things of the Lord. So I can intentionally set aside some time to go deeper and further in my relationship with the Lord. I'm starving the flesh and feeding the spirit. And as we starve those things in the flesh we'll kind of come to realize that, man, I don't think I really needed that anyways. I could probably live on a little bit less food in my life. I could live a a little bit less on on TV. I don't need to waste so much time in front of the, the, the TV. Fasting is being hungrier for what you can't see 
than what you can see. Fasting tells God, there are some things that I just can't see yet. I can't see it with my physical eyes yet, but I'm believing you for more. So Lord, I'm hungrier for those things that I can't see than what I can see. I desire those things more than I desire what I can see, like like my next meal, like that cheesecake, like watching that TV show. Fasting is an intentional decision to get all of that stuff that we can see out of the way so we can go after God for the things that we can't see yet. Some of you have been praying and believing for some things in your life for a long time for months, maybe years. You've been, you've been praying for supernatural intervention. You've been praying for a miraculous breakthrough. And perhaps your faith is beginning to wane a little bit. It's beginning to fade. You're losing steam. I just want to encourage you. God is going to honor you if you intentionally say no to some things of the flesh and start feeding that spirit more. I bet when you do that, you'll find that that flame is starting to get fanned a little bit more. The fire is going to be stirred a little bit more as you believe God for those things that you can't see yet. When you, when you pray, when you fast, it fans those flames once again. You get serious with God and you say, Lord, I'm hungrier for a move of God than I am for my next meal. Lord, I'm hungrier for this miracle, for this breakthrough that I need in my life more than I am to binge watch that TV show. Lord, I'm hungrier for the things of the Lord more than I am to watch that football game or whatever it might be. I'm hungrier, Lord, for you than anything else. I desire those things I can't see yet more than the good feeling that I'm gonna have when I eat that meal. See, I'd rather God do the miraculous in response to my obedience, in response to my fast, rather him do the miraculous than just stay stagnant so I can just keep feeding my flesh. I'd rather go a little bit further, a little bit deeper in my walk with the Lord. And guys, here's the thing. This is not a have to thing. This is a get to. Oh man, do I have to fast? I've been there. I get it. I really want to dig into that bag of chips sometimes. This isn't a a have to. It's a get to. You get to have an appointment with your heavenly father. You get to come before him and have your ways aligned with his ways. You get to bring your needs before the Lord. You get to pray for that miracle, that breakthrough, whatever it is that you're agreeing and praying for. You get to do that. And here's the thing, even if you don't see the breakthrough during the fast, even if day 22 or day 32 comes along and, and God still hasn't done that miracle that you were believing God for, you didn't waste that time. You didn't regress in your walk with the Lord. In fact, you progressed in your walk with the Lord. Even if you don't see the miracle, you still were able to get alone with your heavenly Father and go deeper in your relationship with him. We get to draw near to the Lord. It's a privilege. We get to spend more time with him. We get to be in his presence. And you know, in his presence, even though I might not get the miracle, I get refreshing. In his presence, I find joy. 
I find peace. I find freedom. I find liberty in his presence. It's not a chore. It's a pleasure. It's an appointment with the most high God. And here's another point for you. One of my last slides here. Fasting is the difference between the best that we can do and the best that God can do. How many have found that God can do way more and way better than we can? I really believe that. He can do way more than we can do. Powerful things just seem to happen when we fast. Over the last couple of weeks, we've told you, we've seen people just driving onto the property and, and, and ringing the doorbell, like, something compelled me to come and I want to give my life to Jesus. That single mom was here last week with her kids. It was amazing. We've had some pull on the campus and they, and they call the church office. I don't know what it is. I've driven by this church uh, a bunch of times, but I'm ready to give my life to Jesus and they've done it. If you were here Wednesday, you heard Megan Crane giving praise. Uh, you know that during this time, uh, this time frame last year, the September fast last year, God healed her. God delivered her from the bondage of alcoholism. It's amazing. Miracles just seem to break out at a a faster pace when we set a time to fast and pray. In fact, some of you are here today as a result of a fast last year. Some of you are here today. You were far from God this time last year, but there were people in this place that were praying and fasting and believing on your behalf. We've been praying for for God to bring in lost souls who need to connect with the Lord. We've baptized almost 60 people this year already. That's some of you. You are an answer to some of the fasting that took place a year or two or even longer ago. We actually have staff members on our team today that is a result of uh, of fasting. You know, during our fasting time, Lord, would you send the right people, would you send the right team members to come on our team? We have staff members in place today because of time spent fasting and praying. Fasting just reminds us that God's power is a lot more than my power. And we get to, as we spend time with our Father, we get to tap in to that power and see things that would surpass anything that we could have done on our own. He closes the gap between what we can do and what he can do. And look, I know many of us are tired we're weary. This last 18 months has taken its toll on everybody. We're weary from the drama that's been going on. The virus has taken its toll on all of us. Division is all around us. Everything now is a political issue. We are living in unprecedented and volatile times. But guess what? The enemy's not going to let up. He is unrelenting and he has no plans of backing off his attacks. So I know you might be weary, but now is not the time to retreat. Now is not the time to retreat. Now's the time to really lean in, to really go hard after God. Believe and pray and fast like never before. Fasting is the difference between what we can do and what God can do. His best is so much greater and better than our best. 
So there are some things that we want to be praying for. So I'm going to give you a list. If you're taking notes, you can write these down and add this to your list of things that you are praying for. And I know some of you have personal things. You keep praying for those too. We'll keep praying with you. There's prayer and praise cards there in front of you. Let us know how we can partner with you. But there are some things that we want to pray for as a church that we can fast and pray for. About five or six things. Again, if you uh, want to write these down, you can do that. We want to pray for a spiritual awakening. For a spiritual awakening. Here in Maryland, and Pennsylvania, and Virginia, and West Virginia, and in our nation, you know, there are people all around you and me who are on their way to hell. We need there there to be a, a spiritual awakening in the people in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our nation. We need a spiritual awakening. Did you know that if every church in Frederick County was full today, there'd still be thousands and thousands and thousands of people that aren't in a church. We need a spiritual awakening. We need to cry out to God, not just for me and my needs, but we need to cry out to God that there'd be a spiritual awakening in our communities, in our cities, in our neighborhoods. Pray for your city. Just write that right down. New Market. I'm praying for Mount Airy. I'm praying for Middletown. I'm praying for Frederick and Walkersville and Hagerstown. Wherever your hometown is, believe God to move and there be a spiritual awakening in your community. The only long-lasting cure for all that we see going. You know, opioids is a major thing right now, isn't it? Alcohol, drugs, abuse, all of this stuff. The only last, long-lasting cure is Jesus. Uh, we need a great awakening. We also need to pray for a move of God. Add that to your list. It kind of goes along with a, a spiritual awakening. But let's pray for a move of God, specifically in your life, specifically in your home, and specifically in this church. Let's pray for a move of God in Calvary like never before. Let's pray for a move of God in Calvary Kids right now. Let's pray for a move of God with with our young people, with our middle schoolers and our high schoolers, our Calvary youth. Let's pray for a move of God amongst our young people, our Calvary young adults who gather every Tuesday. Let's pray for a move of God in our life groups and in our meetups and in our sisterhood events and our brotherhood events. Let's pray for a move of God in the 915 service and the 11 o'clock service. Amen, somebody? Let's pray that God would move like never before in our midst. Let's pray that he would move in such a way that miracles and breakthroughs and healings would be commonplace. It would be the norm for someone to show up and get healed when they come because of the move of God. Healed physically, healed spiritually, relationally, emotionally, psychologically. Let's just pray that the norm would be for healings and miracles and breakthrough to happen every week and every single one of our gatherings. Wouldn't that be awesome? I believe it. Let's pray for that. He's not just gonna do it. He's gonna do it after we pray, after we believe. So let's get a hold of God. We also need to pray to be strong in the Lord. I think we've mentioned that the enemy is unrelenting right now. He's dividing us on everything. He is unrelenting. And we need to pray that our brothers, that our sisters will remain strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We don't wanna grow weary and well-doing. Let's stay strong. You know, we we believe that time is short. 
And here's the thing, you're gonna be dead a lot longer than you are alive. So I, I, I wanna pray, and I mean physically, clearly we're gonna live forever, but it's in one of two places, isn't it? It's heaven or hell. I wanna make sure that everybody here remains strong in the Lord, that they don't grow weary and well-doing. What else are we praying for? The next generation. Man, let's pray for the next generation. You know, uh, I think Gen Z might be this upcoming. I'm not sure how they label them anymore. But they're saying that this next generation coming up is the generation um, religiously of nuns. Not like the Catholic female nuns, not the N-U-N, but the N-O-N-E-S. They have no religious affiliation at all. They're either atheist or agnostic. God's just not even on their radar. And so we have an entire generation that if God doesn't move, we're gonna lose them to Satan. We're gonna lose them to hell. So let's pray for our next generation. And young people that are in the room, God can use you to touch this next generation. In your youth group, at Calvary Kids, Calvary Young Adults, at TJ High School, at your college, wherever you might be, he can use you to bring life into the next generation. We are called, we just talked about a few weeks ago, to be salt and light. Let's pray for our next generation. Let's pray for the sisters and the brothers. Uh, Sisterhood, brotherhood, that's just what we call our ministry to men, our ministry to women. Let's pray that we would be a church filled with people, both men and women, who have a fire and a passion for the things of the Lord. Can we just believe that, that God is gonna work through the men and women of our church, that we would encourage one another, that we would spur one another along, that God's glory would be released in the men and the women of this place? May we see the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit, even in our brotherhood gatherings, even in our sisterhood gatherings. So here's what we wanna do. I'm just gonna ask you all across the room, would you stand with me? We're gonna take a moment. Now, I know we talked about showboat giving, praying, and fasting. We are, there is a time for public prayer. Now, we're gonna to pray together for these things that are on this list. You're not gonna do it in a showboat way though, right? We're not gonna showboat and dance around and all that, right? Uh, unless the Holy Spirit makes you do that. You're welcome to do that. But we are going to out loud call upon God for some of these things are on this list. There may be other things that is on your heart that you wanna lift up to the Lord as well. So in just a moment, we are going to out loud pray and agree for God to move and pray according to this list right here. Now, if you haven't yet made Jesus the Lord of your life, I wanna give you an opportunity to do that right now. All you have to do, recognize you're a sinner, you've messed up, you cannot save yourself, then acknowledge that Jesus is the only way to salvation, that he came, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, rose again, hallelujah, for your sins, to forgive you of all your unrighteousness. And if you will do that, if you will confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that he is the way, the truth, the life, you will be saved. So as we're praying, you might want that to be your prayer. And then you can join us in praying for these other things too. And by the way, if that's you, there's a connection card. Let us know because we want to help you on your spiritual journey. Those of you watching online, let us know. Email us or go to calvarymd.com so we can help you as well on your next steps. But before we do anything else, before Pastor Sean and the team leads us, can we just lift our voice out loud? We're not in a showy way, but just desperately calling on the Lord for these things right here. There's something maybe that, that pricked your heart whatever it might be. Just pray for for one or all of these right now. Come on, let's take a moment out loud and pray for these things.
Hallelujah. Lord, we just come before you. Lord, we pray for a spiritual awakening. We pray for revival to break out, Lord, in, in mid-Maryland, uh, up in Pennsylvania, in Virginia, West Virginia, all the surround, the D.C. area. Lord, there needs to be a great awakening with our, with our politicians, with our political leaders. We pray that there would be a revival even down at the Capitol this week. Lord, we pray for revival to come. We pray that there would be a new hunger for the things of the Lord, that people that once rejected biblical truths would now come to realize that, that the Bible is true, that there is one true God that, that holds absolute truth. Lord, we pray that there'd be a spiritual awakening right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for a move of God. I pray that there would be a move of God in every home that is represented in this place right now. Just right now, pray for a move of God in your household right now. You can do that. Lord, we pray for a move of God in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our communities. We pray for a move of God in every service, in every gathering at our church whether it be the first service, the second service, Calvary Kids, Calvary Youth, Calvary Young Adults, whether it be brotherhood, sisterhood, life groups, we pray that miracles would be the norm. We pray that there would be healings that break out because of you moving in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would remain strong in the Lord. In fact, you might just wanna pray for the one on your right, the one on, the, on your left, that they would be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I pray for my sister, my brother to my right, to my left, that they would remain strong. I pray that they would not grow weary and well-doing, but Lord, they would continue to hold on to you. They would continue to run hard after you, that they would, they would not give up the fight. We know that the enemy is unrelenting. He is not going to stop and neither will we. And I pray that we would remain strong in the Lord. God, we pray for the next generation. We pray for young people, Lord, from elementary students all the way through college students. We pray that, that they would be strong in the Lord, that they would recognize that there is, uh, there is a supernatural power and it is you. We know that they are looking for something supernatural. I pray that they would come to the realization that it is the one true God. It is Jehovah God, the one true God that can change their lives. We pray for a mighty revival in our young people. And Lord, for, for our men, for our women, I, I pray for brotherhood and sisterhood that we would encourage one another. We would spur one another along, that there would be a mighty outpouring. Lord, I pray that you would use these men and women in this room to speak life over people. I pray that we would be uh, speaking uh, words of hope over people, that Lord, we would, we would just begin to prophesy over our brothers and sisters, over our situations. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We pray now for a move of God. God of revival, would you pour it out? Yes, Lord.